Wait, how are you, sir? Good to see you. It's great to see you. Thanks for letting me on the holler. Of course, man. We were trying to figure out ways to get you on the holler, and here you are. Everybody, come on in. This is a place where we're going to talk about some of the issues of the day with Wade, and hopefully you guys can comment along. Uh, we're tnholler.com, at the tnholler, Twitter, and Facebook. I want to first just start by saying we're growing right now in a moment where a lot of publications are shrinking and furloughing reporters. We are now in Murfreesboro, Memphis, Chattanooga, Knoxville, Cookville, the Tri-Cities, and also West Virginia, which is pretty awesome. We have a West Virginia holler. And anybody that you know in those areas, please spread the word and tell them to follow the holler. Wait, what do you think of the holler being all over the place, man? I think it's great. There are hollers everywhere. It doesn't need to just be Appalachia and Tennessee. I think we got hollers even in New York City, New York State, rather, where you're from. So that's right. So start one. If anybody wants to start a holler where you are, definitely reach out to us. We are open to that. We want to see these things grow like a fungus. And definitely subscribe to the emails on tnholler.com. Wade, I, I think people probably are sick and tired of me at this point, but. I don't think maybe they know you all that well. So give us just who is Wade Monday uh, in a, a short, abbreviated amount of time. I know you're a, an enigma, but who is Wade? <laughs> There's no mystery to me. I'm a lifelong Tennessean. I live in Nashville now. I attended Vanderbilt Divinity School, Trevecca Nazarene University. I studied religion and lived with religion my entire life. And so that's been kind of my background and my calling. And I found myself now as the executive director of a nonprofit organization that sends uh, telemedicine services to remote parts of the world so we can uh, help people who are uh, who are struggling to survive and need access to care. So I've been working uh, really hard on that project for a year now, ran unsuccessfully for the state Senate in Robertson County. Uh, oh, you were successful in so many ways, Wade. Well, it was, you know, like, you know, Politics is a long haul. You can't just jump in and uh, and run and expect to win the first time unless you have you know lots of money and lots of name ID. But yeah, it was a great experience. So yeah, long time political watcher, first time uh, political adventurer. And well, uh, you, you and I had uh, district overlap in our district, so we would see each other sometimes in Hickman County, and we became we became buddies. And uh, you know, I definitely respect the race you ran. You're one of the only people I know that could stand in Hickman County and give a speech about immigration and basically run uh, a campaign based on pro-immigration and do it convincingly. So I am impressed. I see Bonnie's in Florida. We've got Marianne in Boston. We appreciate everybody watching wherever you are. It's, it's awesome that you guys are tuning in. Uh, we're going to talk about some stuff that happened this week. We send out our holler emails on Mondays and usually Thursdays or Fridays, you can subscribe at tnholler.com and get kind of the wrap up of the links and videos and everything that's going on here in Tennessee. And that's a good way to stay on top of it. And hopefully here on Mondays with Wade, we can talk about some of this stuff. Wade, the first thing I thought we could talk about is what happened last week where the KKK Grand Wizard bust that has been here for way too long, uh, it lost a, a battle that it has been fighting where a vote in the Capitol commission happened. It was nine to two and it was a pretty emotional moment. Uh, I'm going to try to play the moment right now that happened when we were down there 
outside the Capitol Commission vote. Let's see if I can figure this out. Here's the moment that happened when the Capitol Commission. Hats off to them for their persistence, their articulate way of advocating for the community and also for every legislator past and present who's tried to remove just a silly statue. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't have taken this long. It shouldn't have taken a vote. It's not done yet. It's halfway done now in October. The historical commission will have to vote on it and they need 20 out of 29 to vote to hide getting to move a statue to yeah. move a statue. That's right. So 20 out of 29 need to vote to get rid of this thing. We don't have the emails for all of those people yet. I've asked for them. When we get them, we will send them to you guys because these people need to hear from you. We can't come this far and have a change of heart in October. We've already seen that happen too many times. For instance, today, uh, I'm not going to say happy, but today is Nathan Bedford Forest Day. It's KKK Grand Wizard Day here in Tennessee. It shouldn't be. Governor Lee said he was going to get rid of it, but he chickened out and didn't. So anything can happen between now and October. People need to pay attention to this and stay on top of the historical commission and make sure that they get all over them and make sure that this happened. Uh, like you said, Wade, have you gone down to the, the Capitol and seen the protest? Yeah, I, I drove down with my kids uh, a few Saturdays ago. We just drove around and honked our horn in support, but we didn't get out. And it's so encouraging to hear, you know, people protesting peacefully, people wearing their masks, they're being safe. And, it's unfortunate that they have to do this all for a statue because the statue is just the first step and, and we're only halfway through the step that it takes to remove the damn thing. So if we could harness this energy and bring more people to the forefront of uh, achieving racial equality and racial justice in the United States, uh, it'd be all for the better because right now a statue is only symbolic and I'm glad that it's coming down, but we have so much more work to do. Absolutely. We see all your comments. Kingsport. I see Jan in Kingsport. Bill Sharp is in West Tennessee. It's awesome to see you guys there. Uh, <clears throat> I do also want to salute these people. We've been saying it's the longest running active protest in America. Nobody has refuted that yet. And I kind of think it should be a national story, frankly, that these people have been down there sleeping at the Capitol. They haven't given up the ground for 30 days now. They've been arrested many times. Justin Jones was arrested again last night, all because they won't let them stand on a plaza that's supposed to be a public plaza to begin with. Henchmen guarding Governor Lee's ego, is it not? Is that how you see it? That's how I see it. Yeah, it's a shame that there aren't enough media outlets that are reporting on this, even in the state of Tennessee. Thank goodness for the holler, because otherwise I wouldn't be able to see some of the tweets and the videos of the arbitrary harassment. I mean, President Trump talks about presidential harassment all the time. But what about the harassment that people who are exercising their free speech experience on the daily from Bill Lee, somebody that even Democrats, by and large, thought, oh, he's a nice guy. So let's elect him. But for totally arbitrary reasons, he will pick up personal belongings from protesters, send state troopers down to throw away those personal belongings, to arrest them, restrain them when they're just peacefully protesting. Again, Tennessee is moving backwards when the rest of the country seems to be moving forward. We're stuck in 1955. Speaking of which, that's a good segue to one guy that I wanted to mention. There were two votes against removing the bust from the Capitol. One of them was my state Senator, Jack Johnson, who I definitely want to mention because I'm completely embarrassed by it. Uh, I'm, I'm disgusted. He basically said that 
the reason that he voted that way was because he took a private poll among the senators and basically 1914 in favor of keeping the KKK Grand Wizard bust. So he voted to keep it, even though there was no requirement on him to vote how his caucus or how the senators wanted him to vote. So that was a decision that he made. And he not only voted that way, but he hid behind his fellow senators to do it, which I find to be spineless in multiple ways. And, and I'm horrified by it. Matthew Hill from the represent House Representative side did the same thing. Yeah, and I think we've got a, a watcher on here now from Jonesboro, kind of close to where Matthew Hill lives. And yeah, they're in Jonesboro. That's right. Um, it's a completely spineless decision and one that they're hiding behind from you know this informal poll that Jack Johnson took among his colleagues. And um, unfortunately, it's just the reality that we live in. Tennessee state legislature is dominated by a supermajority of Republicans. They have held power for more than 15 years now. I was a young college political intern when I saw the state change from Democrat to Republican. And the Republicans that replaced the Democrats are certainly no better than the Democrats. And I, I, I wouldn't necessarily give the Democrats much credit in years past because it was a Democratic state senator that placed this monument in the state capitol. And so what we need is not just a political shift in Tennessee, but a generational shift where we're not fighting the same battles decade after decade, because uh, frankly, it's an offensive statue. And if it offends a large, large minority in the state of Tennessee, we need to get get it rid of it. Um, well, well I, I think you nailed it right there. And, and, you know, what I, what I keep going back to is if you feel like your or the, the feelings of white people that this is their heritage in the South trumps the feelings of black people that it hurts them, that in itself is white supremacy. If you feel like your feelings are more important, this hurts a lot of people. That in itself should be a reason to let it go. And you know, you you grew up here. I did not. Does it at all surprise you to see how hard they're fighting to keep this stuff, or is it actually surprising you that it's even that it's possible that it's going away? It is. It, it is really surprising that in 2020 we're fighting this. In, in the 1990s, when Steve Gill and Marsha Blackburn came to power in Tennessee, when they became politically influential, if you will, there was a state income tax debate. I was in high school at the time, maybe even younger than that. And they were rallying protesters around opposing a state income tax. People were throwing rocks at the state capitol. There were angry, violent protests by people who are now in political power. And the fact that they're now standing up to protest removing a racist statue is pretty shocking. They have not changed at all. They've not grown at all with the political power that they've accumulated. And and growing up in Tennessee, a rebel flag is something that I always saw. And it was never offensive to me until I came to learn what it represented, until I came to learn what my African-American friends and colleagues felt about it. And I think that we need to come a lot farther in Tennessee and learning about empathy and empathizing with a black experience and knowing that Statue might not be offensive to a white person, but if it's offensive to a black person, get rid of it and start to learn and understand how these small aggressions can really affect entire parts of our community. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, one of the things we found yesterday was that Tennessee state 
website is still selling Confederate flag license plates. So that's something else to put on people's radar that the Sons of the Confederate Veterans license plates came right from the state website. And then also at the vote, I asked this guy, Mike Sparks, uh, if the Civil War was fought over slavery. And he who fancies himself a historian couldn't answer that question or wouldn't answer that question. So I want to encourage everybody. He's running against Brandon Thomas and Smyrna. I want to encourage everybody out there to ask your representatives that very simple question. Was the Civil War fought over slavery? And I think you'll find certain members of the legislature will have a hard time answering that question. And when they do, they'll be telling on themselves. So I really hope people will ask that question. I see that our buddy Brandon says that the Tennessee Health Department just reported 3,314 new COVID cases shattering last week's already insane daily case record. That's wild. Uh, that segues us to the other thing that I was hoping we would touch on today, one that I hope everybody will weigh in about, which is sending our kids back to school. Wait, how old are your kids? They're four and two or five and uh, sorry, they're six and four now. Okay. And, uh, and my daughter is going to start, we're in Davidson County. So she's starting virtual learning at least until Labor Day at Metro Public Schools. My son is in a pre-K program. And so they have a very limited uh, daycare option right now. But bottom line is if public health officials say that students should not be going back to school, they should not be going to school. Yeah. And that's, I think the bottom line is, are they listening to health experts or are they listening to Trump? You know, are they trying to push us back into a school situation so that it feels like there's a semblance of normalcy and completely avoiding uh, the issue of safety, which it seemed like they are. I mean, yesterday, Betsy DeVos was on CNN and she had no answers about the safety part of this equation. She was asked repeatedly by Dana Bash, what about safety? What about safety? And she had no answers. And it was almost like it didn't matter to her. What was more important to her was getting the kids back to school so that come November, people feel like there is some safety because they know, Wade, that if they don't go back to school now, they're not going to be in school in November. So they need to hit the schedule so that by the time November comes around, we're not sitting here still in a pandemic, still with no kids in school and everybody sitting around going, oh, well, that's partly at least the president's fault for not taking this stuff seriously. Yeah, it seems that there's this fanatical cult around President Trump and certainly the administration is part of that where they are just doing his bidding. He wants school to be in session because he wants to pretend, either wants to pretend that it doesn't exist, that it just went away and we're able to go on with life as usual, or he wants to prolong it long enough that people aren't able to go out and vote or he can tear up all the absentee ballots that are that are um, placed in uh, in the November election. There was a study by MIT showed that 65,000 recent absentee ballots were rejected because they came in as a result of the postal service delays. And that is just appalling because that's, that's the spread with which Trump won in three states in 2016. 65,000 votes or slightly more. And so if, if they can discredit the election, if they can prolong the pandemic or just ignore it, uh, then they feel like they've won. And so you have all of these seemingly professionals around the Trump administration. I wouldn't call Betsy DeVos that. Um, and and they, they're just doing his bidding. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a problem for people with kids, but it's also a problem for people with 
who work in these situations, these environments, this is super spreader events waiting to happen. You know, my wife works in the school setting. She, she works for a County here in Tennessee and she was very upset. I mean, it, it, everybody feels backed into a corner. What do you do? You have no real choice. And so we've been put in a situation in Tennessee, especially where we have an F in education funding. They won't fund these schools. They just voted down, Republicans did, voted down $150 million in extra funding for these schools. They voted down teacher pay raises, and now they're going to force people back to school. At, at what point are people going to wake up and realize that they don't have their best interests at heart? And you know, this is part of why we started the hollers so people have this information. But it's really hard to penetrate that bubble. Uh, I see Blake on here. Blake, his... Uh, his his dad his family is in uh decatur county and you know it's hard to get the information in those counties where the newspapers aren't covering it all they hear from is each other so we really need people to understand what they're losing by electing these people yeah and i want to put in perspective that 150 million dollars for schools that the republican controlled state legislature voted down that is within a budget and a rainy day fund that we have of more than a billion dollars in the state of Tennessee. And they've not released any of that money and they've dragged their feet. They're on, adding to it. They're adding to it and they've dragged their feet on issuing unemployment funds. So even if we were on the same page, Republicans and Democrats realizing that this is a pandemic where people need help, they need financial and economic support from the government, federal and state government, and that they don't need to be in school, our lives would be so much better. And in the event that the federal government doesn't pay out what they need to pay out for families who stay home, our state government could certainly care for the most economically distressed counties and individuals in our, in our state, but they simply don't care to. And they're stuck in this 1950s way of thinking that, that we're operating out of scarcity where Tennessee, our taxes generate such an abundant rainy day fund, but they're not willing to use it. And, and they're really damaging uh, our economies and our communities. Part of why they don't want to use it is because they like talking about how fiscally responsible Tennessee is. But the truth is we are one of the most dependent states in the entire country on the federal government. So we brag about how much savings we have, but we actually don't collect enough money and therefore have to rely on federal programs. So it's very hypocritical. And then they turn around and they debt shame the federal government that is sending them that money, which I always like to say is like debt shaming your parents when they're still paying your rent. <laughs> and that's what goes on here in Tennessee. And you would never know it when Governor Lee stands up and talks or Faison or whichever of these guys stand up and talk about this stuff. They'll always talk about how fiscally responsible Tennessee is, but the truth is we are very dependent on the blue states, especially. Yeah, it's the equivalent of my son, Ames, four years old, who can put coins into a piggy bank. Anyone can do that. But as any business owner knows, you have to spend money to make money. And in Tennessee, we need to start spending money on our people so that they have a better quality of life and so that they can live freer and happier lives. Because we have a lot of health indicators right now that can be tied back directly to public health expenditures being lower than any other in the country. Many years ago, I know we had a, a viewer from Boston. I lived in Massachusetts and I spent some time there. Their state budget was roughly equivalent to what ours was at the time, but their spending per capita on people uh, led to a better quality of life and higher incomes overall. 
And so I think that Tennessee needs to get out of this mindset of scarcity. We're no longer fighting the Civil War. It's not 1861. We can actually be a modern society that invests in even the smallest towns and communities here. Well, and fundamentally, that is, I think, the issue that we face is the debate over what government should be and what the role government what role government should play in our lives republicans obviously shame government they talk about it as a it's the enemy they want low taxes they want government as small as possible but at the end of the day there are things that the government does especially during a pandemic that we really need so that whole attitude and mindset uh, that the government is the enemy that has real world implications on budgets on helping people and you know, nobody is for big government. I'm not some big government, you know, yes, let the government take over everything, but I am for smart government. I am for good government. I am for, you know, government as a entity that the way we help each other, you know, you always hear in Tennessee, we're the buckle of the Bible belt and, you know, let the churches do it. Well, those two things should tell you that if we are the buckle of the Bible belt and the churches are not doing it, that is not the answer. If the church is doing it was the answer, Tennessee would be doing great. And we're at the bottom in infant mortality, maternal mortality, poverty, the list goes on. Yeah, if, if we're supposed to assume that the churches are going to take over everything, then we should just stop paying taxes tomorrow and stop collecting it and stop paying out the per diem to our state legislatures who also have a part time salary that they receive from us because they're frankly not doing their job. And, and we need elected officials who will just do their damn job, but they're not yeah. doing it. Absolutely. Well, we see all your comments. Blake, I see you there, buddy. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're following along. Connie says most red states depend on blue states for federal aid. That's true in general. And Cass says, I graduated from Riverdale and Murfreesboro with over 2000 kids. There's no way to social distance there. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way to do it. And that's why yesterday when Betsy DeVos was asked, uh, should they, should these schools be following the CDC recommendations, she was like, yeah, they're recommendations, you know, and, and she basically shrugged off the idea that there was any real way to deal with this. And that's just unacceptable when we're talking about our kids, you know, my, uh, <clears throat> can I pin my guess, Marianne said, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, my kids are young, they're in daycare, we sent them back, the daycare seems to be being pretty careful. But I can't imagine what this is going to look like when all of these schools start opening up. We just have to hope for the best, but hope is not a strategy. And so, you know, I think people need to make their voices heard. There are definitely differences between the ways counties are doing this. Montgomery County and Clarksville is delaying three weeks. And then also they're giving parents the option of schooling from home or in person. That seems to be much more flexible, much more forward thinking than when Rutherford County is doing, which is now being held up as sort of the canary in the coal mine. They're sending the kids back in two weeks. Yeah. And if we step back, if we remember what it was like in March or April when everyone was so excited to flatten the curve, curve, we could have done that and maybe we would be out of the woods by now. But instead, we were very lazy about social distancing and wearing masks. And for some reason, we all thought that we all, many people thought that they could be armchair epidemiologists. And they looked at the numbers and they said, well, it's not spiking in Tennessee. Well, now it is spiking in Tennessee. And so, you know, the worst possible scenario for us in April was that we didn't flatten the curve, but that we, we prolonged the pandemic so much so that it's gonna make developing a vaccine, issuing treatments, hospital capacity, it's gonna exacerbate all of those problems even further. And so I'm not 
an epidemiologist, but I certainly listen to a lot of epidemiologists and I'm going to trust them rather than make my own alter alternative case. So uh, I would encourage if you're in Tennessee, wear a mask, socially distance, stay at home if you can and look out for the elderly and individuals with uh, autoimmune diseases. Well, I'm with you on that, Wade. Is there anything else you want to say? I feel like we covered some ground. This was a good maiden voyage for the Mondays with Monday show. Yeah, uh, we definitely we can have people on here, too. I saw somebody say have women on. I just want her to know that most of the shows that are on the holler are, are female shows. Most of the people who work at the holler are female. I, I am sympathetic with that uh, uh, thought process. And, you know, we should have other people on here with us, too. Yeah, we're I promise getting this going. This will be the worst show of any of the holidays. <laughs> I promise you that. But I will mention one woman right now who is running for Congress. If we want a new political establishment in the state of Tennessee, Keita Haynes is running for Congress. She has an incredible story. You can go to her website, Keita Haynes, K-E-E-D-A Haynes, and, uh, and learn about her story and where she's been and all that she's accomplished. And nothing against Congressman Jim Cooper. He served our state well for a a long time, but it is time that we have different representation and she has stepped up to the challenge and I think she needs our full support. And, and that's one female voice that we can have in Congress that I think will significantly change the debate. So when we are having this podcast in 30 years, we're not arguing over the same things again and again. All right. Well, there's Wade Monday. He's at Wade L Monday on Twitter. I'm at Canoe, K-A-N-E-W. Carolyn Ann says it was a good program and she'll keep tuning in each week. So we'll keep doing it for you, Carolyn Ann. And, you know, we can also have other people join us. We were thinking about doing another sort of holler hour type thing later in the week. Just as we send out our holler emails, we're going to try to cover some of the topics on these shows also. And definitely make sure to go on iTunes and subscribe to the podcasts. We've got Gloria Johnson, Equity Alliance, Sunrise Movement, Afton has one and uh, Pastor Riggs. So, you know, we're trying to expand as much as possible and we're able to do that with your support. And, and I'm deeply, deeply grateful for all the people who have supported the holler and these shows. Wade, thanks, buddy. I will see you next week. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Enjoyed it.